Bill, what are we doing in Sweden? I thought we were going to do this one from Spain. Well, Chris, I wanted to surprise you. I have some big news. Bud, we cracked into the top 200 of all podcasts in Sweden. The same way we did that in Ireland? How long did that last? <laughs> as soon as we reached the uh, chart in Ireland, we slipped right the fuck back out. I have a feeling that this is going to be different this time, bud. I've actually went so far as to arrange a meet and greet. See that uh, crowd over there, Chris? Those are our fans. Yeah. They want to see us. They don't look that happy, though. I don't, okay. Well, I don't know. Let's see how it goes. All right, let's, uh, let's go check it out. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate it. I mean, I can't tell you guys how much it means to me and Chris that you guys would come out in such droves to meet us. Bill, I got to tell you, they don't seem happy. They're, they're booing. Maybe that's uh, just a cultural thing. Maybe that means that they like us. I thought it was pretty universal, but uh, okay. Mm-hmm. One of them is sending something our way. Oh, shit, duck! Oh, fuck. duck! oh, my God! All right, they're throwing shit. That looked like a congratulatory bottle of champagne, Chris. Well, it just shattered right past my head. Oh, man. Uh, oh, they do appear to be uh, inching a little closer, don't they? Wait a minute. Is somebody carrying a torch in the background? Oh, my fucking God. Holy shit. Uh, that's a mob, dude. <laughs> Holy shit! Chris! Wait, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Chris! Run! Shit! Fuck! Someone cue the fucking music! started yet all right everybody and welcome to episode number 15 oh no no this is all falling apart who was that chris please we're both delusional we're tired i'm pretty sure we're both fucking drunk i, I don't know but let me just get this out all right everybody and welcome to episode number 15 of the between the cracks podcast i am your host bill and with me as always is my co-host, Chris. Chris, how are you tonight? Oh, sorry, just just getting back from the bathroom. <laughs> no, no, I hope you're right. Was your tummy hurting? No, not at all. <laughs> Much better. Um, <laughs> what is this podcast turning into? This is how low budget we've fucking become. Ah, oh, God. Aside from shitting yourself, how are you doing? <laughs> Much better now. Uh, oh, my God. It's so crazy how draining not doing anything is. Oh, uh, I, I mean, we're, we're recording this at 7 o'clock, and I, I'm, I'm not joking. I am fucking exhausted. I've been going to bed 7.30, 8 o'clock, and then the other day, I think, God, it might have been yesterday, I fucking went and started laying down around 6.30. Your body is, I don't know what it is. I, you would think you'd have all the energy in the world by not doing anything, but. Well, at least you uh, made at least you made it out of the house yesterday. You went to pick up uh, some plants or something? Uh, some potting soil. Ooh. Yeah. How did it feel getting out? Just driving the car these days feels, feels weird. You know when you like go a while without driving, like, I don't know, if you're on vacation or something, then like driving like five days after you haven't driven before and it like just feels weird i took the top off the jeep a couple days ago just to go for a fucking ride just to get some air 
I'm fucking dying. And I, I can't I, I can't do it with this fucking mask anymore. So I'm gonna have to start either fucking eating squirrels and bugs in the backyard or, or figure something <laughs> out because I'm fucking suffocating with this goddamn thing on. I start panicking. Yeah, you know, I, I went out one time so far where I, where during this mandate did mask wearing thing where I actually wore the mask and I could see how that's going to get old really fast, but we got to do our part, right? Hashtag we're all in this together. <laughs> I did work out today for the first time in, I don't know, about a week and it lasted about 20 minutes, Chris. Well, how'd it go? <laughs> oh, fucking terrible. After I finished, I did go to the supermarket and got some uh, Heath bars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man, you know what's so good? You ever have the Heath Bar Klondike bars? Oh, my God. What would you do for a Klondike bar, Chris? Shut up. <laughs> would you purr like a kitty cat? <laughs> Chris, it sounds like you're drinking something. God, do I hear ice cubes rattling around in your glass? I'm losing my damn mind. <laughs> I have a feeling from the the lack of research... On this episode, that it's gonna have to just be filled with fucking uh, lame jokes and sound effects. Yeah, we uh, we've done it again, folks. We we just can't seem to find the motivation. Somehow, and I texted you this the other day. So we uh, entered the charts over in Sweden somehow. I don't know what they're listening to, but <laughs> I guess they like it. Well, thank you guys. We appreciate it. Now, if we can come close to any kind of chart in the United States, I'd be great. <laughs> Much like my uh, grade point average in high school, I'm near the very bottom of the list here <laughs> of getting on the charts. We, I mean, when we set foot in the streets, it's nothing but... <laughs> Especially in this fucking town. Uh, should we just get started, shall we? Yeah, let's get this over with. I'm being dead serious. I'm fucking exhausted, and I need to go lay down. All right. So, my friend and and... and our only listener here in the States, Meredith, actually requested this episode. So kudos to her because I had forgot that I was interested in this fucking case. And uh, she gave me a very stark reminder. Tonight, we are going to be talking about the mysterious case of Nicholas Barclay and the imposter himself, Frederic Bourdin. We're going to be pulling everything we know pretty much off of the documentary, The Imposter, which is one of the most bizarre and creepy little documentaries you can watch. Yeah, I gotta say, I haven't heard something like this before. I mean, I know there's some scam artists out there, but this guy goes next level. So, I mean, we have to break this down. First, we gotta give a little bit of a background on the Nicholas Barclay case, and then we can move on to this little fucking twerp, uh, Frederic Bourdin, after Nicholas. So, and unfortunately, this this is a sobering part of this story, and that revolves around the disappearance of 13-year-old Nicholas Barclay from San Antonio, Texas. Nicholas disappeared on June 13th, 1994. As the story goes, he was playing basketball with some friends at a park, called his mother to pick him up. Apparently, she was asleep. Nicholas's older brother, who had answered the phone, refused to wake her up. And then Nicholas never returned home. That is the last we ever hear from Nicholas. From all accounts, Nicholas was somewhat of a troubled teenager, and he is a teenager, right? He's 13. But his troubles go back 
dating and even into earlier childhood. Nicholas had a history of kind of violent behavior towards his family. He had run away quite a few times. As a matter of fact, the police were called on the family quite a bit by other people in the neighborhood. Nicholas's mother had stated that he would even hit her curse at her. These were some of the reasons that the police were fucking called. He had quite an extensive juvenile criminal record. He had broken into fucking stores. Um, He had stolen shit. So he had gotten into so much fucking trouble that there was a sentencing set for him. They were going to put him into a fucking group home at this point. And that sentencing, oddly enough, was set for the day after he vanished. Now, you got to look at this. Would that be him with the history of running away, wanting to avoid the sentence? Or could it be the brother who was actually a suspect in this case, picking him up, getting into a fight, and having done something to Nicholas? We don't know. Because as of today, Nicholas has never been found, nor has his body ever been located. It's interesting, um, though, when, when you see them mention that his hearing was set for the day after he went missing. So, to me, that definitely sounds like a kid who... Clearly, he has no respect for his family. I mean, he was called on the police by his own half-brother because he was trying to break into their family garage. I mean, like, there's clearly just, you know, a lot of... He's he's a rebellious child. He's run away from home more than once. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because that call was made to the police by his brother, Jason, Three months after the last day that Nicholas was seen, a lot of people tend to think that that was a cover-up by the brother, who they believe had something to do with Nicholas's disappearance, using that as a cover-up to say, well, well, he tried to get in here and then he ran away. So as if making the claim that he's obviously still alive. So that's something to keep in mind as well. But this kid was obviously in need of help and was very troubled at a very young age. But I did make a mistake, Chris, and maybe I gave it away too soon when I said Nicholas was never found and never returned to his home. Or did he? That's when a very interesting character enters the story. Am I right, Chris? You're never wrong, Bill. And uh, (laughs) we have a very interesting individual by the name of Frederick Bourdin, who has basically been a neglected child himself. Not really having much of a family growing up because whoever his parents were, uh, you know, they basically neglected or, or abandoned him at a young age. He took to the streets and basically lived a life of lies. As a matter of fact, he's been a majority of his childhood homeless on the streets of Paris. That's how distant he was from his family. So you can imagine that at an early age, that sense of abandonment, that's going to create all sorts of psychological issues. And this guy is not lacking any of those. Our friend here, Mr. Bourdin, he, and this is interesting too, because I'm assuming it was him that made the call, right? To the police. And so we're in Spain now. A A call comes to the police station saying that my wife and I are tourists and we found this boy who looks about 14 or 15 years old he seems very scared we're trying to you know give him food and he refuses can you come out and they ask oh when when can you be here and he's like oh we'll have a patrol car come in 10 minutes the patrol car shows up sees this kid 
crouched in what looks like a phone booth. He's got a, a coat on. He's got a hat pulled down over his eyes. He's basically acting like a skittish child that you know who's been abandoned. They take him in, and basically, uh, Frederick at, at this point is at the age of what twenty two. Uh, 23, actually, Chris. He's 23. Okay, so he's, he's 23 years old, basically passing off as a 14 or 15-year-old, or he's trying to anyway. And his goal is to have someone take care of him. So Frederick is taken to this home for abandoned children, and this is what he wants here. He wants to get into the system. He wants basically care, food, this and that. And he's looking, looking for a family. Right. He's looking for that love and attention that he's never had. So he's doing his best to, to portray this abandoned teenager. So they buy it. They bring him in. But eventually, as time goes by, they need identification. They need to figure out who he is. So they ask the boy, what's your name? You know, where did you come from? Blah, blah, blah. He, upon really basically becoming silent... They said, all right, well, if you don't tell us, we're going to have to get your fingerprints and we're going to have to identify you. So then something clicks in his head, uh, doesn't it, Bill? And what does he decide to do? This fucking guy, I was going to say kid, this fucking man had balls of steel. He went to this agency and pleaded with them to leave him in the office overnight. And then he would tell them everything that they wanted to know about his family that following morning. And you would think, like, who would fucking do that? Who would let him stay in the office with all these technological devices there? You know, Because at this point, he had phones computers, access to all these fucking files that, you know, they show. (laughs) So, lo and behold, they fucking fall for this, and they allow him to stay in this office overnight in exchange for him giving them answers as to who he is and where he comes from and who his family is. This motherfucker starts making all sorts of calls. He calls the National database hotline for missing children and he asked for a list of missing children they're like, we can't give you that. There's fucking hundreds of thousands of them. And they said, but you can call another number and get some information from them and they do that and so they start faxing some files over to him apparently he's looking through these missing children pages and and mind you they're in black and white so he's having trouble kind of identifying what color hair what kind of eyes that they have he is going through the list and he finds one kid that he believes he could pass himself off as a missing 13 year old that we spoke of before nicholas barclay from San Antonio, Texas. He couldn't tell from the photo, but Nicholas had blue eyes and our man Federic has brown. But that doesn't stop anybody. This doesn't hold him up. He starts building his story overnight to tell to the authorities the next morning. And it's at that point he reveals to the people at this agency that he is indeed Nicholas Barclay, who would now be 16 years old. So this guy's 23. He's trying to pass off as a 16 year old and they proceed to call the United States authorities and tell them that we have found a missing child who claims to be Nicholas Barclay. And it's at that point that they get in touch with Nicholas's sister, Carrie, the authorities in the U.S., connect her to the authorities in Spain. They tell her the situation, what's happening, we found your brother, and, you know, she's ecstatic and whatnot, and she wanted to talk to him, but he's refusing to talk, you know, but he doesn't want to blow his cover just yet because he has a fucking French accent, and this kid is from fucking Texas, you know? So he's obviously using this shy, uh, troubled child character that he's playing as a way to fool the authorities and maneuver himself into or weasel himself, is a better word, into a family. Now, the family knows that 
Nicholas supposedly is in Spain, which by the way is completely unheard of. Not to say that it's impossible. It's completely unheard of that someone goes missing in the US and ends up in Spain. You know, I suppose there are instances where girls are sometimes girls are abducted and you know taken over to europe uh like for sex trafficking that's exactly the story that he concocted basically saying that he was taken by a couple of guys nearby that playground he was playing basketball with his friends shuttled off to some fucking airport and basically put onto some military type plane taken over to Europe where he was tortured and put into some kind of creepy-ass pedophile ring. I don't doubt that that shit happens, but it did not happen in this case. And you're going to see later in the story that he goes so far as to make the story even more grandiose, and the family continues to fucking believe it. To really put the icing on the cake here, the sister ends up going flying out to Spain, right? Because she's thinking, she's, oh my God, I'm taking my brother home. We'll get to that later, but... She thinks that she's going to pick up her brother in Spain. Our friend Frederick here has done his homework. He's read articles on some of the details of uh, Nicholas, who disappeared. And he apparently had a couple tattoos. Just so happens that one of the kids in this abandoned home that Frederick was taken to when he was taken by the authorities does tattoos. Not professionally, but... Un- you know, enough to do some bullshit letter tattoos to try to make it look the same as Nicholas's. It's helping his case a lot. Granted, it doesn't change the fact that his eye color is different. That his hair, which he's dyed now to be blonde to try to match Nicholas's, is going to eventually grow out unless you keep <laughs> dying. <it. laughs> let, me, let me just tell you something. This motherfucker looks nothing like this kid. <laughs> First of all, he has a fucking, basically has a beard, like he's a five o'clock shadow. He has a gap that in his teeth that you could drive a fucking truck through. He has a, a crazy ass thick French accent that a kid from Southern Texas would never have. That would never develop in a matter of years. I don't give a shit if you were fucking stolen and told not to speak English for 10 years. You know, your, your language is developed at such a young age. You're not going to just pull one of those Madonna type bullshit deals and develop one a fake fucking accent. Kids appearances change, you know, when, when they're... Teen, from their teenage years but three years is not going to change into a fucking f- french national <laughs> a fucking frenchman <laughs> so this is the part sir, where you start thinking are these people just fucking dumb or are they hiding something in my opinion i would say it's a little bit of both we're going to go back to the story in a second but a lot of people seem to believe that the family knows exactly what happened to nicholas and they are taking in this imposter federic as a way to bring Nicholas back to life so that they wouldn't have to face any further investigations as far as Nicholas's disappearance goes because now all of a sudden, Nicholas is back. But they could have so easily been like, no, this is not Nicholas, and they would have been free and clear of this whole thing. That's true, but at that point, they were also still being investigated. So I think that, you know, once they got this, yeah, once they got this call, they probably put their fucking heads together and obviously knew it wasn't him, but they said, you know, if somebody's claiming to be him, let's take him back. And therefore the authorities would have to end their investigation because now we have Nicholas back. There's no, he's no longer missing. What what kind of fucking shit show would would, uh, follow up with that? (laughs) Well, we're about to find out, Chris. Nicholas, it's hard to keep track of all this. Nicholas's sister, Carrie, is in Spain with Federico. Okay, so the authorities let them stay in a hotel overnight together. Federic says later in an interview that he feels that he was almost being coached 
by Nicholas's sister, Carrie, to recognize all these people that were in photographs that she had brought with her to remember their names, certain memories that Nicholas supposedly had with them. But you would ask why. And the reason for that is that the authorities were not totally convinced that this was Nicholas. So they ran Federique through a number of tests, asking him to identify certain people. And apparently they asked him to identify five family members, which he did. I believe he got the last one wrong. But at that point, they were already convinced that it was fucking Nicholas. The embassy in Spain had to approve this because... Once news comes from the unit, the U.S. that they are, there's a potential minor that was found that was missing for three years, this is like top of the list. They got to figure this out immediately and try to basically secure this kid. They have to pretend as if this is their own child at this point. They have to secure this kid right away, find out what happened, blah, 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 and make sure that that he's reunited with his family. So they have to investigate this. So one of the funny things, how about, uh, how about Carrie... Uh, the sister saying how much Frederick's nose looked <laughs> like her uncle's, as if to say that that he looked just like Nicholas. <laughs> so now, <laughs> yeah, now we're, now she's even pushing it. This story is portrayed in a documentary, The Imposter. So get a chance to watch that if you can, because that's free to watch on YouTube. But if you don't feel like watching it, just Google a picture of Nicholas Barclay. And open another tab and Google a picture of Frederic Bourdin and put them together and see what you fucking think. As you mentioned with the photos, so Carrie was showing Frederick these photos. When they go to prove that Frederick is in fact Nicholas, they're using the same fucking photos. So of course he's going to know, but they don't know that he knows that he's seen these photos already. Let's just say Carrie didn't bring any photos with her, right? And I guess I could see why she would want to bring photos with her. You know, they can reminisce over some things. You know, I I guess that's what a normal family would do when they were, if they were picking up their child that was missing for three years. But without her bringing those photos, he's got nothing to work off of. Which means if he sets foot in that office to prove himself, he, he can tell them nothing. He can tell them absolutely nothing. And right away, his spot is blown up. But because she brought those photos, it changes everything. They're convinced, the embassy's convinced, and they book it as as him being a U.S. citizen with a French accent. <laughs> and it's just unreal. Uh, but but no questions asked. They, you know, when, when some minor says that he's been involved in some sort of a crazy sex ring, you're not going to... You're not going to question it. Yeah, that kind of puts them in a fucked up spot because it's not like me or you are interviewing them. I mean, you've got professionals doing it. It's like, you know, <laughs> if this this guy, whether you have questions or not, he's claiming that he was raped and tortured. So you have you have to take these claims seriously and uh, do your due diligence when it comes to investigating it. I was just saying, he knows how to play the victim. Yeah. So he, he knows what to say. Totally, because he's fucking small, too, so he could pass off as a lot younger. It's not necessarily that his facial features are young, but he's just small. He's kind of, like, timid, so he comes across as like as a scared little kid. Back to the States we go, huh? Yeah. Oh, yes. Carrie notifies the family back in Texas that she is indeed coming home with her brother, Nicholas. Oh, fuck, she is. (laughs) As if this story isn't fucking crazy enough, right, and awkward, we actually have home video of Nicholas's, or should I say, Federique's return to Texas. And it is perhaps some of the most bizarre footage I've ever seen. Have you seen it, Chris? 
I actually haven't. Oh my god! So all right. So when you see this part of the documentary, it's so fucking bizarre because the whole family's there waiting for him. You had the fucking mother, the brother. I think the brother-in-law, Carrie's husband, was there. He's coming off the plane. He's walking down a tunnel. He's wearing a hat. Then he has a scarf covering his fucking face. The mother kind of goes up to like hug him, but she approaches him slowly. He doesn't really hug her back, so it's very. The interactions are all very cold. He's not really fucking talking. He's not saying a word. They're not really saying much to him. It, it, just, <laughs> it is so fucking awkward and, and bizarre. So it's like, imagine being separated from your family for three years, thinking that your son is dead, and this is the kind of reception and reaction that you're giving to each other. Another chilling thing is, that <laughs> the, as we're saying, that there was this cold kind of reception, but the mom and the sister Carrie were, kind of trying to play it up like oh we're glad to have you back we're ecstatic and the fucking brother james who was a suspect in his disappearance just looks at frederick and says good luck and fucking <laughs> leaves you know right off the bat you know that something is fucking wrong but lo and behold this fucking family accepts it they put nicholas in the car and off to home they head. Frederic is about to come home for the first time. Yeah. So Frederic said right from the start that he knew something wasn't right in this fucking house. And now he starts getting nervous. <laughs> Can you imagine? That? <laughs> Can you imagine pretending to be somebody so you could join up into a family and, and then fearing for your life? <laughs> it's so fucked up. As the days go by, he he starts kind of like getting acclimated to the town and he goes to school and tries to play it off as if he's a high school student and people are fucking buying it, okay? Everything's going according to plan and according to the family, he even had a girlfriend. So now I don't know how that works and who knows if he did anything with her, but if that's the case and she was a minor and he was 23 at the time, he never faced charges for that. So I don't know if that was even accurate or not, but they did say that he was indeed hanging out with like local kids in the neighborhood, which is fucking weird enough. You know, I mean, this guy's 23 years old and playing down to a teenager and hanging out with all these kids. It's fucking sick. I don't know if he's if he's just lucky or uh, how do you explain being able to be a f- somebody with a French accent to be able to, to to pick a pick a name out of a hat and get accepted by that family. I, I mean, and be accepted by that family because and get lucky enough to have a family that appears to be hiding a secret and needs an alibi for this fucking secret. And lo and behold, every piece fell right into place. He was looking for a family and they were looking for an alibi. They were looking to have Nicholas back to get the police off their fucking case. So what are the fucking chances of that? Very serendipitous, if you will. But um, I would be feared for my life too. I guess if I were Frederick at this point. I mean, if he's when he starts uncovering what what's going on here, he even alludes to the fact later on that the mother was involved with uh, Nicholas's disappearance. We don't know because you you know this guy's a con man too. So who fucking knows who's telling the truth around this fucking place? So with that said, you know things are going along. He's living an everyday life. And I don't know if you remember the show, Chris, but there was a show called Hard Copy. I remember hearing of it. Yeah. So they had hired a private investigator. And this guy's so fucking badass. He's got to be a... He, he is 190 years old if he's a day. Charlie Parker, <laughs> right? So this guy comes into the picture now. 
And like, as I said, he's hired by hard copy to track down this fucking kid. He finds Nicholas, a.k.a. Federic, and begins to develop some camaraderie with him. He begins to kind of trust Charlie. So Charlie then sets Nicholas up with an actual interview. So he starts doing interviews on the news, on fucking hard copy, all these fucking shows, right? And (laughs) Federic's being interviewed. He's on camera, claiming to be Nicholas. Now, he's got dark skin, he's got a fucking French accent, he's wearing sunglasses, and a fucking hat. And meanwhile, Nicholas is a white kid with blonde hair and blue eyes from southern Texas. And nobody's putting these fucking pieces of the puzzle together, except our man Charlie, Charlie Parker, the private investigator. As he's watching this interview, <laughs> in the and, and this, this case is just filled with nothing but chance. In the background, he's looking at a picture of the real Nicholas right above fucking Frederick's head. He ends up zooming in on that picture, taking a snapshot of it, comparing it to Nicholas's, right? And he puts it side by side because they were actually angled in the same exact spot where he was able to compare their ears. And apparently no two ears are the same. Right? You can't change that without plastic surgery. As he's examining it, he's like, holy shit, this fucking is not Nicholas. As obvious as it seems to everyone <laughs> looking at it now, it took fucking poor old Charlie investigating and zooming in on his ears to reveal the fact that this was not Nicholas, but an imposter. But who the fuck was it? As the questions begin to be raised now after this having been seen, Charlie is all over Nicholas at this point. Uh, do I want to call him Nicholas or Federic? What do I want to call him? Call him Federic. Federic. All right. So, so l- l- let's, yeah. So let's, let's settle on Federic because I can't keep going back and forth. I'm getting irritated now. He is. Wait, who's missing? <laughs> He's out with Federic one day. They're at a diner. Charlie, the private eye says to Federic, he goes, uh, you know, your mom's really upset. And Federic turns to him and says, you know, she's not my mother. <laughs> and Charlie's like, holy oh. shit! He goes, as simple as that. He just told me who the fuck he was. He's like, my name is Federic Bourdine. I'm from France. I'm wanted by uh, Interpol, which is the international police. And he's going into that whole spiel. So Charlie notifies the fucking police. Police notify Interpol. As if that's not crazy enough, that's when Federic comes out with the information that he believes that the family had something to do with Nicholas's disappearance. He even pushes it so far to say that they murdered him. I don't want to say that the family definitely are, are the reason for Nicholas's disappearance, as if, as if they're responsible for his death. But I think there's a possibility that Nicholas did, in fact, run away and either got himself into some trouble that could have led to his death, or he just flat out split because he was about to be put into a group home why the fuck would you want to stick around well the crazy th- yeah exactly so it, it was it's like the perfect storm if they fucking killed him they had the perfect out to say that he ran away because the following day was his sentencing but you know as the police investigated further the brother as we stated was a suspect in his disappearance and interestingly enough after all this came out the brother james committed suicide via cocaine overdose so he might have been feeling the fucking pressure. Maybe Federico was bluffing with all this, but it led to James being more paranoid and then taking his own life. This story is like, like you said, it's like a perfect storm here. You have a, an imposter looking to get out. 
looking to be accepted or clearly he wasn't thinking ahead he was just thinking of a way that he could prove his identity so that he wasn't sent to jail i, I don't think even in his wildest dreams did he think that this scam was going to get pulled off and he was actually going to be able to be accepted into this family so <laughs> i mean i'm telling you he got fucking scared so uh, you, you would think that the family would be fucking scared that they have this fucking imposter living in his house but <laughs> it ends up being fucking backwards because this guy yeah. now thinks that they killed fucking nicholas and maybe he's fucking next <laughs> look, look they they live in some small town in texas where he could just be freaking pushed right under the carpet so <laughs> he he should be scared for his life but, but, you know, yeah, it's hard to know who to fucking believe because this family's fucking shady as fuck. And this guy is a habitual sociopathic fucking liar. So you have Nicholas who disappears, but the, the key component here is the fact that he was supposed to be sentenced to go to a group home. So you could see him running away that night because I, f- I would fucking run away. Fuck that. So you, you have the one side where it looks like he could possibly have run away. And then if you flip the fucking coin, you got the other side that says like, this house was nowhere for a kid to be, and it was a ticking time bomb as far as someone getting fucking hurt, possibly even killed. Being Frederick here, so I'm just wondering why he didn't bolt. Why? And you're in the States at this point. You know, at the age of 16, he probably wouldn't have identification, right? Yeah, I guess not. I mean, that, I mean, maybe he took those factors into account, but I mean, this guy was so smart as far as passing himself off as other people. So he could obviously have done this with an adult as well and, and had stolen somebody's identity that way and started a life. But it does seem that he genuinely wanted to be part of a family and, and experience some kind of, for lack of a better word, normalcy. <laughs> he didn't find it, that's for sure. <laughs> What we come to find out is that having been wanted by Interpol, he then has to face all of these new charges against them. He faced charges of passport fraud, perjury, and my man, they threw the fucking book at him. So (laughs) they had recommended three years for him, and the judge smacked a little Federico right in the face with a six-year sentence. He's like, I'm fucking done with you. Fuck you, you little shit. So at the end of the documentary, they show this. And this is fucking stupid. It really annoyed me. They show him like dancing like in the interview room of the prison. And he's doing like all these Michael Jackson moves and shit. It just looks so stupid. You, you start to feel like maybe maybe you could empathize with this guy a little bit having the background that he did. And he wanted a family. Then, you know, he's played with all these families fucking emotions. So it's like, fuck him too then, you know? And then you see this dickhead dancing at the end. It's like, yeah, yeah, fuck off. Let's just say this was legit, that their son did truly go missing and they were hoping to find him. And you got this guy making up a fucking story, you know, flying all the way out to Spain to to go fetch your kid. I mean, granted, obviously, if they were much of a family, they'd have known that this wasn't their fucking family (laughs) member. I mean, come on, man. I, I, I wouldn't be able to, like, I could not see my kids for fucking 10 years and I would be able to fucking pinpoint who they are. I don't care how different they looked. That whole thing's fishy, but in any regards, you know, Frederick still has to be made an example of, and he was. But didn't he go on to repeat offense? Yeah, man. Well, this is crazy. So this guy just doesn't learn his fucking lesson. In 1998, he was sentenced to the six years in prison, right? So apparently he got out, I think, a year early in 2003. Uh, Must have been good behavior or whatnot. They kick his fucking ass right out of the States, send him back over to France. And uh, (laughs) within fucking months, he assumes the identity of a 14-year-old French boy, Leo Bailey. So he is 
trying to pull the same fucking bullshit. Each year we advance more as a society, so it's going to be harder and harder for people to pull this shit off. So luckily they did a DNA test on him proving that he was not Bailey. And the following year, in August 2004, he's back at it, but he's not Francis time. Now he's over in fucking Spain. It's this time now that he is claiming to be Ruben Espinoza whose mother had been killed in a Madrid bomb attack. So this guy's fucking, he's ruthless. He doesn't give a shit who the fuck it is, right? The police find out the truth that he was lying there, and they kick him the fuck out of Spain and send him back to France, his country of origin. So nobody wants this fucking guy, right? He's just get, he's getting passed all around the fucking world. You would never think that he would have the balls to do this again, would you, Chris? No, never. <laughs> oh, oh, but that's where you're wrong, pal. Because in June of 2005, <laughs> whilst back in France, Federic passed himself off as Francisco Fernandez, a 15-year-old Spanish orphan. And he went so far as to have spent a month at a junior high school. This guy's being sentenced like he's a minor. What the, like yeah. maybe, maybe in and out. Is he so believable? Yeah, yeah in, like, in and out. Like or put him in a fucking psych ward or some shit and keep him there. Yeah, keep mind bars. You should be in bars for fucking twenty years. How many re- how many counts you got? Do you got him on now? On September sixteenth of two thousand five, he had finally gotten sentenced, and the only information I'm seeing is that he was sentenced to four months in prison for the one false identity of Leo Bailey. And that's all he served after that six year sentence. But he continued to do his fucking thing for three or four years after he had served a six year sentence. It now looks, you know, from all the things I've looked up that he finally has his life together. He's apparently married living in France and has five children. So let's hope that, Whatever psychological or psychiatric fucking disorder this guy has, he has some kind of grasp on, especially for the sake of his children. How could the wife even trust him? I mean, like, who knows what's the truth and what's a lie? This guy's just, he's just one big fraud. Who knows if his name is really Frederick Bourdain? <laughs> but you, you'll feel better about this, Chris, because he did proclaim in a 2008 interview that he would, and I quote, never impersonate anyone again oh I, I absolutely believe him yeah oh yeah you could take that to the bank so <laughs> this is where we stand on the case today frederick is out of prison he continued to fucking impersonate people for quite some time after that and now apparently has settled down with a wife and five children and from all accounts doing well unfortunately for nicholas barclay he has still never been found and no one has yet to be charged in his disappearance or murder and the case is still open as we speak today maybe he still is alive out there and just doesn't give a shit about well charlie parker the pi believes that nicholas was killed and they buried his body on the property So in the documentary, The Imposter, at the end of it, it actually shows Charlie and the new homeowner digging up the backyard. And they went down, God, pretty deep. It looks about six feet, five, six feet. And they just did not find anything. So who fucking knows? Uh, But that's it, Chris. That is the case of Nicholas Barclay and the imposter, Frederic Bourdin. Very interesting case, I will say. Until number sweet 16. Ooh, that's right. We should throw a little party. You could wear your ballroom gown, Chris. Uh, I don't I don't 
don't fucking have one, but <laughs> I'm certainly not wearing one either. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I'm not even giving a rundown. I'm done this week because, I, I, once again, <laughs> I had no emails. The only people liking the fucking pictures are our friends, so uh, I'm done. Whatever. So until next week, we bid you a fond farewell. Bye-bye. I'm Sweden. I thought we were going to do this uh, show in uh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Can I get from the fucking top? God. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we have, folks. (laughs) We will see you fucking next week. All right. Of lies. Very Jesus Christ, spit it out, asshole. Very deep, Chris. Let's try that again. And... <laughs> I'll let you finish. <laughs> right, I'll let you finish. Uh, it. I'm sorry. I'm not going to laugh anymore. <laughs> You're... Ne- uh-huh. I... And she... No, no. Oh, my God. You stupid motherfucker. Oh, God, sorry. This fucking phone is connected to this goddamn computer. So it fucking goes off every time there's a fucking call. All right, what were you saying, Chris? So fucking goddamn hot in this room for all these lights being on. I'm going to fucking melt. <laughs> what do you what do you have planned for tomorrow? Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. All right, dude, I'm done. I'm downloading this fucking thing. Fuck all right. It. All right, bro. Thank you. Later. All right, later.